I can never repeat enough that we're sorry, but sadly we cannot go back in time and undo it. So now we focus on the present and the future. What can we do now and what can we do in the future to improve the situation? Hello there. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast. And today I've got an interview with Pascal Gauthier. He is the CEO of Ledger and he has come on to discuss Ledger's customer data hack. Um, I'm going to skip my normal sponsor ads today and just focus on the interview. Though I do want to thank my sponsors, Kraken, BlockFi, Sportsbet and Casa for supporting the show. But with this being such a serious issue, I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like I want to put out ads as part of this. I just want to focus on the content. Today's regularly scheduled show was meant to be with Shinobi looking back at Bitcoin tech. So that'll be out tomorrow uh, rather than today. Now, as I'm sure a lot of you will know that in June of this year, Ledger's customer database was hacked and over 1 million email addresses were said to have been leaked, with over 270,000 of those also including personal details such as phone numbers and physical addresses. This hacked information was also this week made available to everyone online, sparking fears of not just more phishing scams, but perhaps even physical attacks. So it's got pretty serious. So I reached out to CEO Pascal Gautier to talk about it, and he made the suggestion to come on the show. And he said, look, happy to come on. I'll be completely transparent about what is happening. You can ask me any question you like. Obviously, I took him up on this. Now, this has obviously been a massive data breach, and since there has been a huge number of phishing attacks targeting those whose data has been leaked, including myself, I've received a number of the emails. Now, I want to make it clear to any Ledger user that this is a data breach, not a vulnerability in the Ledger device or software itself. If you have a Ledger, please be extra vigilant and never, ever share your seed words with anyone, ever. Just remember that. My ongoing approach to this might seem a little controversial for some, but I'm going to support Ledger with how they come back from this whilst trying to hold them to account. And let me explain, because I know some people are just like, oh, fuck you, Ledger. You know, they hope they burn to the ground. But I think it's important that we have a robust and competitive market for hardware devices, not only for the manufacturers to push each other to be better, but also multi-sig products like Casa. It's much better when you can use different devices for your different signatures. Now, I did receive a number of DMs yesterday, like loads actually. It was a lot. So if I haven't replied to you yet, I apologize. But some people in there were suggesting that there should be compensation or even a class action lawsuit should be pursued. Look, I'll leave it to others to decide whether they think they have a legal case. But in terms of compensation, I just don't think this scales. Even if it was like $100 to each person who has had their email exposed, that's $100 million. Or just those with the personal details, that would be $27 million, which would almost certainly bankrupt the company, which I don't think is a net benefit. What I do think is a net benefit is Ledger being better. I also prefer the idea of Ledger making a financial donation to supporting developers who are working on security. I, I raised this with Pascal during the interview and will continue to push him on the issue. Look, further attacks will happen, further hacks will happen, data will be made available. Therefore, it's important that we start to consider our own personal practices to limit such a risk. Look, it's something I'm a bit crap with. Uh, I'm, you know, I've not done some of the things that you should do. Um, I'm a public figure. People know where I live. Uh, I've actually set up my security practices. So if anyone actually does come to my house, they just can't get anything. But this is still a wake up call to me personally. And privacy security is something I'm going to be revisiting next year 
uh, probably very early in the new year. I'll likely ask Lop to come on and we'll put together a 101 for the basic things that you can be doing. Anyway, onto the show with Pascal. If you do want to get in touch, you've got any questions, um, anything you wish I'd asked that I hadn't, um, please reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Pascal, hey, hey man. Look, thanks for doing this at short notice. Um, I know you're obviously going through a really tricky time at the moment and uh, lots of people are angry and upset, um, but I think the full transparency is the right way. Um, I messaged you last night. You got back to me straight away. And um, actually, it was your suggestion. People should know that. So, um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, how, how are you? How are you doing? Yes, Peter. Well, first, thank you for having me. Uh, I think you're right. It's, you know, it, it was important for me to be here and with you. Uh, I think I want people to understand that we're not shying away from this and we're trying to be as transparent as possible. We are very apologetic for what has happened. And, you know, it's not something it's not a pleasant uh, it's not something pleasant or that we don't care about at Ledger. Uh, I read some comments saying that we're careless and that we don't care. We actually care a lot. And I'm here with you today because I want people to understand that we're trying to be as transparent as possible, to go as fast as possible, to protect them as much as possible. And we will always act like this in the future. And so me being here today is to uh, demonstrate, I hope, uh, all of this. So thank you for having me. No, no, no problem at all. Like, okay, so look, we've got a lot to get through. We've got a lot of questions. I might jump around a bit because I put that email, uh, that tweet out, and I think I had uh, 300 comments and DMs and emails. But I'll try and get through the – I've tried to group them together around the uh, main question. So I guess first first area is just to talk about the kind of data you store because I think this is uh, something people want to know about because there are people affected, there are people who aren't affected but may be worried about their data – so can you just talk me through what data you currently take from customers who buy a ledger device and what you actually store? Sure. Actually, we try to take and store as little as possible, but uh, we are obliged to uh, register and store uh, some of the data that is uh, uh, entrusted with us by our customers. And so typically this uh, data breach is about uh, marketing data. Uh, so it's the data that we need to get from you and store because we're going to ship you a device and then we need to uh, stay in contact with you to let you know what's going on in terms of uh, the future of Ledger, the new products, the new features, or the uh, or typically in the case of a data breach, you know, the, the, the data breach happened. It's, it's very important that we stay in contact with our customers, so we need a minimum of information. In this data breach, uh, what's unfortunate is uh, some of the data uh, has leaked beyond email, so uh, uh, personal addresses, uh, your, your mail address or your home, uh, and or your delivery address uh, can be either or, uh, and your telephone number. And so that's what's very sensitive to people right now. They understand probably email more than the rest, and they need to understand uh, why the rest uh, has leaked. And I'm here to explain that. Okay. So name, address, email, phone number. Is there any other data? I mean, I'm assuming you store data on what devices people buy, and you probably store other data in terms of um, no. the data you get from Google Analytics. No, is that it? Is, it, is that the data? No, no, that's really it. And the thing is, uh, what people, so the, the main message is your crypto is safe. So in no, in no way, this yeah. is data that gives anyone's access to your device or in knowing what you have on your device. People are very afraid now that people can sort of match the two databases and understand how much of crypto you own and match that with the database of where you live. That's, that's actually not possible because we don't keep, first of all, 
data like this on our, on our customers. Like we don't know what you own, we don't know how to link that to your device, and so therefore nobody can uh, nobody can can link the two together. And I think uh, this is really important to understand. So your crypto is safe, okay. and data cannot be packaged together, so people know where you live and how much you own. So do do you store any wallet data? at all do you track the types of wallets being created at all do you have aggregate wallet data or individual wallet data at all no we don't track wallet wallet data at all we wouldn't know how to we have our explorers okay. so ledger explorers work in a way that if you use ledger live it will hit on our explorer so we'll know which addresses are used by ledger wallets but we don't know addresses linked to a specific wallet so we just know like a bunch of addresses have hit our explorer and we know they're from the ledger community but that's pretty much all we know and by the way, uh, how about and by the way, peter I... you know that because you've been asking me last time i was mm-hmm. on i think but on, on top yeah. of that now we have a full node support meaning that you don't actually need our explorers you can run ledger live on your own node and so we don't even need to know uh that that information and you can actually use your own node for this how about do you store any IP address data, XPub data? Do you store do you track any transaction data? Somebody some people have said that you store certain data for tax reasons. Is that correct? The data that we store for tax reasons are the data that were in the leaked database. So tax reasons are the tax authorities will ask us how many devices have we sold, to whom, in which which state, et cetera, et cetera, which is why we store this data but nothing to do with your crypto and taxes related to okay. your crypto we wouldn't know this uh, we we wouldn't we wouldn't know what to give to the tax authorities because we just don't have anything of the sort to give okay okay um i'm assuming you're gdpr compliant can people request to have data removed is there a process in place for that of course there is a process in place that can go through our customer success uh, team, there is a specific section where you can ask for your uh, data to be removed, and it takes around one month for the data to be removed. Okay, okay, right. That's a good, useful starting point. Now let's let's go through what happened. So, t- can you take me back to July? What happened? What you were aware of at the time, and then we'll probably get into the actions you took. Yeah, exactly. So I think the key here is uh, what were we aware of at the time. So. When it happened in July, we uh, we did everything that we could to understand wh- what actually happened, which is not necessarily easy. You know, people might think that it's just you know opening a book and you know you you see uh, the code that was stolen, but it's actually very difficult. So we actually hire uh, a forensic team to let us know uh, what, what happened, and we were not sure about many things. We communicated on the things that we were sure about because when you have those type of uh, crises. Uh, the, the worst thing you can do is, uh, you know, being unsure about things and, and try to spread rumors. So you can only say what you're sure about. And what we were sure about at the time was that a million plus email addresses had been leaked and that there was a subset of users, uh, 9,500, uh, where it was not just the email address, but other type of data had been leaked. And so what we did at the time was to proactively communicate to those uh, 9,000, to everyone that data had leaked. And so we sent an email to the to the whole database to, for a start. And then we sent a sub email to that uh, sub database of 9,500 users to let them know one by one specifically what uh, specific data to them had been leaked. And at the time, that's what we knew. So how, how do you actually know? Because obviously that data was incorrect. 
Um, we know that now. Yeah. So how do you actually know at the time what data has been stolen? How do you actually find that information out? Because we, uh, we could see uh, some logs of what had been extracted. And from the logs, we could interpret for sure that uh, the subset of 9,500, more than just the email, had been extracted. And we didn't have evidence that it was more than 9,500. By the way, maybe to take a step back, you know, Ledger has mm-hmm. no interest, nor, nor has no upside into hiding this to our customers. If we had known at the time that it was for sure 270,000, like we know now, we would have said it at the beginning. There is no upside for us uh, withholding that information. It puts our users uh, a bit more at risk. Uh, It puts us in a difficult spot today. So I have no incentive to hide this information from from our users. And I know, because I've seen the comments, a lot of people are calling Ledger uh, a liar or me as a CEO a liar. I'm not in this business to lie to my customers. Uh, I have actually, uh, I'm proud of my uh, uh, ethical uh, work uh, ethics. Uh, and to me, being very transparent to our users is uh, top of our list. Actually, transparency is one of the core values at Ledger. So if we had known, we would have said. Uh, and uh, now that we know, we're saying it. And so the subset now of uh, two, close to 270,000 users, they're going to get in the next 24 hours a personalized email with exactly the data that was leaked, uh, and they can count on us to to do that. Okay. I guess what, what people would want to know is, you thought 9,500 had been leaked. Turns out it was about 270,000. Were these, therefore, in different databases? Is there different databases you store information on customers on, and that's why? Or did you assume just a subset of 9,500 from within a database had been stolen? Like... Uh, it, or is is the total size of that customer data one two hundred seventy thousand? Like trying to understand how the how this may the stickers. I understand. So yeah. no, it's just about the logs. So when you do a, an, an analysis of what has happened, you look at the logs, and we had partial logs to what was extracted, and then we actually assume that. Uh, uh, maybe it was a broader attack, which we actually said in the first communication. So we said to, in the communication, we said, this is what we're sure about. But we also told our users that they should assume that more data was actually stolen and thus uh, uh, protect themselves uh, in, in, in this case. Uh, and so that's what we said, because that's what we knew at the time. Do you know how the attack happened? the actual steps they went through, what, what was the the vulnerability or the weakness you had that was exploited? Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, uh, Peter, all of this has been uh, extensively documented on our website. So again, we're not hide, mm-hmm. hiding information. And if you uh, pay close attention to what has been documented on, on, on the Ledger website, and I've got a, a blog post coming out after this uh, just to, uh, to remind everyone what we've done, where we are, where we're going. So all of this has been very thoroughly documented, uh, and um, uh, and back to your question that I just forgot by saying this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. No. I've, I mean, I've seen it out there, and I will share it all in the show notes so people can access the data uh, that you've shared out. But what I was asking is, what was the vulnerability or the weakness within the ledger process that enabled this data to be uh, accessed? Yeah, for sure. So again, this has been documented in our website, so I'm just going to repeat what's already out there. But, um, you know, all of these things are, uh, you know, it's really a simple mistake. And, you know, about that, we're we're very sorry. Um, It's just that when you build an e-commerce stack, you have uh, uh, different pieces of the e-commerce stack that have to speak to each other. So typically you have the store, 
and then you have uh, your, uh, your your mail client. And so basically, it's a wrong API key that got coded on the mail client to import the database from the store that got coded in the wrong placements. Uh, and so therefore, it was coded where it shouldn't have been coded and exposed the database to, to a simple attack. That's as stupid as that. So, so some people say the data wasn't encrypted. So what's the deal with that? Um, was the data not encrypted, or is this to do with how the data moves between uh, systems and the API? Help me understand that. Yeah, sure. So like, like I was saying just before, the data was not encrypted because uh, he was uh, he was coding in the wrong place of the of the of the website. Let's say you know. Uh, when you um, when you code those API keys, either you put them like in secure areas that've been designed for them, or you don't, and it's a mistake. Uh, and so, therefore, that's what people say. That's when people say it was not encrypted because yes, it was it was misplaced, and so therefore, hackers could access it and read uh, the data, which they shouldn't have been able to do. So, but it's not uh, it's not as if we intentionally. Uh, didn't encrypt uh, our data. Of course, it was an honest mistake. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, I mean, of course, no, nobody would do it on purpose. But uh, even an honest mistake can have implications to a lot of people. Um, and and there are now, and obviously, people are concerned. I think one one question to ask would be: are other companies looking at this uh, who may have their own vulnerability here that they might not realize, like. What was the mistake within the process that allowed this to happen? Is it there's not enough people were checking the code? Like, what have you changed now? Because you can fix the problem, but what stops that happening again in the future? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, when, when those, things, those things happen, it's usually a cascade of uh, mistakes. Uh, the wrong people code the text. No one checked after. Uh, it stays up for a long time, and suddenly, you know, you realize that it's happened when it's too late. We we actually realize that this has happened through our bounty program. So it's a program where researchers, security researchers, can can tell us where they find a security vulnerability. And so, actually, it's through our bounty program that uh, that we found out about about the leak and that we could stop it. And then once you once you know and you can stop it, then you take every possible measure. So first you recode the API key so it's not exposed anymore. Uh, and then you uh, review the entire code. And uh, we, we've hired like several teams actually to do penetration, test, penetration testing uh, on, uh, on our e-commerce stack to make sure that it was secure and that no other data was, uh, was leaking anywhere. And uh, what we're doing now and what we'll do in the future is sort of keep on investing in people and uh, technology. So so, so we can uh, counterattack and you know make our users uh, more secure in the future. Okay, so you said this was found through the bounty program, but does that mean somebody within the bounty program was malicious with the data? No, no, no. It's actually it was actually an honest researcher who, uh, uh, you know, when when you do uh, when you do the things, you get the white hats and the black hats. The black hats are the attackers that are trying to steal the money, and the mm. white hats are those trying to defend you. So typically, the researcher that uh, declared the vulnerability is a white hat. So uh, they do this for, for, for a living, and they get a reward through the bounty program, uh, and uh, and and that's uh, that's that's what has, that's what happened at the time, yeah. But but if they're a white hat hacker, how did the data get uh, leaked? Oh, because you had a black hat. A hacker uh, that knew about the vulnerability before and uh, exploited the vulnerability to extract the database. It's just that the white hat hacker uh, okay. so had the same vulnerability before. after 
it was exploited by the black hats. Right. Okay. I see. So it's a chain of events. Okay. So you've said that you've uh, communicated with uh, the 9,500. Um, have you communicated with everybody who has had information leaked? And have, have you also communicated to things that people who haven't had information leaked to let them know that you've been through this process, what's actually happened? Sure. Uh, I mean, everyone that had information leak was contacted and uh, we broadly communicated on our websites, on Ledger Live, on our Twitter accounts, on Reddit. I mean, everywhere we could on uh, what happened. And so everyone, whether, you know, there are prospect customers, new customers, I mean, really everyone knows about what has happened. And again, there is no reason why Ledger should shy away from this. We, we believe that transparency is key in these matters. And so if you take a look at our website and the dates of publications, you'll see that there's actually a lot of literature has been published, uh, uh, thousands of tickets that have been answered to, uh, hundreds of websites that we've been taken down because you know the data, the data breach is one thing, but then at the same time happen a lot of phishing attacks against our users, probably using the, the, the database uh, that, that was breached at the time. And so we've been fighting uh, the, those phishing attacks for, for months now. Uh, and I think also this is why users are uh, really annoyed because you know, they've been attacked by, by those scammers uh, for months. Uh, and we've, trying to, we've been trying to fight them off. We, we've actually uh, done a lot ourselves. Uh, we've asked our community to help, to, take, you know, to, to try to take those websites down as quickly as possible so less people are hacked. But phishing attacks uh, are, you know, very common in our industry, and it's a, it, and mm -hmm. it's a, and it's a threat that we need to, to all work on together to protect uh, each other. And so we are doing a fair share, and uh, our users are also helping. But what have you learned through the process uh, specifically in terms of how to deal with it? And are there things you think you've got wrong? You could have done better. Anything to do with uh, your communications? You know, I think uh, we've learned a lot. I mean, you know, crisis management is uh, is definitely uh, you know an interesting uh, an interesting one. And so, you know, we've learned a lot, and uh, we've taken we've taken many measures. And one of them was to hire a very experienced uh, chief information uh, security officer who's going to join the company early January. And uh, we really hired someone who's like uh, you know top notch in his field. Because you know we need to double down on on security, and uh, I think what uh, you know our mistake probably at Ledger is to make sure that our technology is very secure. And actually, uh, on that, I think we have the best product in the market right now. Your Nano uh, paired with your Ledger Live is the most secure solution that you can find in the market, and we're very proud of that. But I think probably uh, we... is that true? Is that true? Yeah. Is that really is that really true? Like, is 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 it more secure than a cold card? I think it is. I mean, you know, there are two things to be taking in consideration, security and ease of use. So if you mm -hmm. take those two together, I think right now, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I would say to your question directly, I would say yes, uh, because we will publish several things in the future that keep on demonstrating ledger, uh, ledger uh, security dominance in the field. But if you take uh, security and ease of use, Yes, I, I would feel that we have the best product in the market. But uh, my point here was... Oh, that, but that's a different point. Sorry, sorry, Pascal. That's a different point because uh, that's best product in the market as, as opposed to Securus. I would agree that the Ledger is, uh, in terms of UX, the best. I've used yours, Trezor and Coldcard. Yours is without doubt the easiest to use. I would uh, I would challenge whether it's the most secure. I would probably say that the Coldcard is the, the most secure. Um, 
I mean, we don't have to debate that now, but I just think it's important uh, okay. that well, I at least share my opinion on that because I've, 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 I've looked at all the products. Yeah, so you, I will send you a, a, an attack that was uh, published by uh, by the dungeon on the call card uh, MK2, MK2 wallet security, and uh, and you will see that uh, there are some uh, it could be some security issues uh, there. But anyways, the point is the, the is that the laser that, attack? Yeah, it's the laser attack. But anyways, I'm not trying yeah. to make that point. So I'm trying to say to say that. We are big on security and we really focus on the security of our product. And we might have mm-hmm. overlooked uh, the security of our processes, our e-commerce stack, which is why we find ourselves in this situation. So to your question, what have you learned from this crisis? I think that we learned that we need to do better in terms of overall security for the company, for our users. That's uh, that's my point here. And we'll enter into the okay. debate of who's the most secure another day, I think. <laughs> Okay, yeah, we'll save that for another day. Okay, so in terms of people who have been had their data leaked, this again is a reminder for me how many people aren't competent uh, technically. So uh, I like to, as you know, I like to make a show which covers the basics for people. And some of the DMs I've received, some of the emails uh, from people who are concerned are asking very basic questions. And again, I should at some point I should try and share these so people understand how certain customers may think but we should answer some questions specifically for them right now Um, one question that's come up a few times in my dms is people are actually scared to use their ledger right now they said if i plug my ledger in and use ledger live now am i safe you're safe 100 percent. there's no no problem no worries there Uh, so you you can use it you should use it so what are the things that people should not do if someone's listening to this right now they think their data has been, or they're aware their data has been taken. What are the things they should look out for? The 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 risks they now face. Uh, same risks as before. Actually, it's uh, you know phishing attacks are all about making you share your secret and your twenty four words. So the one thing that we keep on saying, keep on repeating, is never share your twenty four words with anyone. Ledger will never ask you your twenty four words. No one should never ask you your twenty four words. Your twenty four words are just for you. And the only safe place to enter your 24 words are directly on your Nano S or your Nano X. That's it. Outside of this, never share your 24 words. If you follow that simple rule, you cannot be hacked. Are there any things that people should do? Are you making any recommendations with regards to people changing phone numbers, email addresses? Uh, there's a bunch of things that people should do, but uh, let me address one uh, point that is uh, that is made also in the in the comments behind uh, under your Twitter, um, uh, yeah, in on Twitter. So the question is uh, now: if people have my home address, uh, can they attack me? And what what, what ledger? What, what are you going to do about this? Uh, so so first of all, about this whole incident, I can never repeat enough that we're sorry, but sadly we cannot go back in time and undo it. So. Once the database is out, you know it's out. Uh, and so now we focus on the present and the future. What can we do now? And what can we do in the future to improve the situation? And so when it comes to physical threats and physical attacks, uh, I think it's a it's a fair concern from, from from the users. And I understand why 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 our user customers are feeling concerned with this. But I would say that number one, the ledger device has been designed to protect you from physical threats. So a few things that you can do with the device itself. And I will document this in my blog post that will come out again later today. Uh, The first thing is you should know that if you type three times the wrong pin code, it will sort of wipe out your device and bring it back to the manufacturing setup. Uh, 
So in case of a physical attack, the only thing that you have to do is uh, type three times the wrong pin code and it will wipe out the device. And so um, then impossible to steal the funds, of course. Uh, of course, uh, that is true if you don't keep the 24 words with you in the same location. So we always gave the guidance to the users that they should not keep the device and the 24 words together, and they should put 24 words in a safe location that is not home. Uh, they should put it at the bank. They should split it in two, put it somewhere. But the 24 words is a real uh, problem for the industry overall. And the way that you keep them is also a guarantee of your security. Uh, Recommendation one, recommendation two. Recommendation three, there is actually a, a product called plausible deniability that you can do with your device where you can have two pin codes actually on the same device. One pin code to access your real funds and another pin code to access uh, a dummy account. So plausible deniability means if the wrong person asks you to open the device, you can open it with a pin code that access the wrong account. So those three things taken together is a set of protections against a physical attack. Now, the last thing I want to say about physical attack is not because I know that you bought one day a ledger device that I know how much is on it. Uh, and so you can't uh, have those two databases together because they just don't exist. So I know you got a ledger, but I don't know if you got $100 or $10 million on it. Uh, and so therefore, for me to come to your place, I would need to know a bit more than just knowing that, uh, that you own a, a ledger. True. That doesn't mean that people won't. So I think there's some certain amounts of other work that can be done to try and understand. Like there may be people with certain personalities within the industry. They may be able to do other types of lookup to try and get an idea of maybe how long they've been involved in Bitcoin or what kind of salary they earn and kind of make some assumptions and use that as enough information to go and uh threaten somebody it was funny i was talking to well it's not funny but i was talking to somebody about this beforehand i, I raised this but i don't think there's anything you can do about it you can't put in a, a you can't put in a program to prevent this you can't rehouse everybody it doesn't logically make sense to rehouse everybody but there is that ongoing threat now that people have should someone start to try and engineer the data they have to to make some assumptions it's not it's not a zero risk right it's just no it's not a zero risk but uh what's the risk for you peter i mean people you, well, the people know you got crypto what's the risk yeah but I've, you I've, public I've, I, in the space you know yeah but i've planned for that so one of the things i've done is you know again i was talking about this about somebody about it i am aware i'm a public figure and I own Bitcoin. Like people know I own Bitcoin. Uh, I, I'm not rich Bitcoin, but I, I have some, right? Um, and so I've planned for this in that there is no Bitcoin ever stored in my house. It's just, it isn't. I use, I, I'm like, I'm happy to be quite public about what I do for my security because it's such a pain. Like if it, it's, it's an over 24 hour operation for me to move Bitcoin, but I do that on purpose because I, I have to make it pointless for someone to attack me. Other people might not be thinking that. And I'm just wondering, I don't even know the answer. I guess it's something I'd ask Jameson a lot, but I wonder if other people... It is the answer, Peter. I think, you know, once you once you are taking care of your own security, you need to think what you're doing is actually what everyone should do. In the sense that Ledger will only solve part of the equation anyways. You as the user will always be a link into the security equation and so if you don't protect yourself against threats and if you don't think about those threats, 
then you know those threats become become real. So, like you say, there, there is no once the genie is out of the bottle, you know there is no uh, going back. But I would I would advise everyone to you know think about their physical security, you know how they're handling it today, uh, and and you should know also that you know this. Like you know, there, there's been many other data breaches uh, in this industry, uh, Coinbase, Binance, you know the 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 biggest one, and and long before us, and attacker is actually. Focus a lot on you know online and online attacks. Why? Because it's cheap. You know, a physical attack is actually more expensive. No one is going to take a plane to go and attack someone specifically. I mean, unless unless it's a bigger attack, and we know specifically that it's you, Peter, and you have like so many bitcoins mm-hmm. because you've expressed it freely on the web, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the reality of attacks is what works and what uh, what attackers are doing is a lot of cheap attacks on as many people as possible to make it profitable for them. And so uh, what's what's happening right now is more of these attacks trying to steal the 24 words and trying for you to enter them into a dummy website. That's that's what we're seeing today. And granted, there is no zero risk that people will come to you. I mean, that would be foolish to, to say otherwise. But I think that in general, anyways, if you keep value at home or if you keep value with you, you need to think about physical threats in general uh, and put in place the type of, uh, you know, uh, type of things that you did put in place for yourself, Peter. Yeah, well, I mean, the point is, is would you keep 20, 30, 50, $100,000 in your house? No, that would be crazy. You keep it in a bank and you have to consider your security as your own personal bank. I mean, I recommend, ever since I've been with Castle, I would recommend everybody who has a, uh, a, a serious amount of Bitcoin to consider uh, setting themselves up with that because it does protect you in so many ways. Um, have you guys uh, are you considering just yep. just on this? Sorry, but you're right. You know, multisig yes, is because you asked me the question offline. But multisig is definitely so. You know, this is where this is what I'm saying today, like in the in the present. What I'm saying for tomorrow, and I really announced it. We we did a ledger decoded event where I announced the future of ledger and the product that we'll take to market in 2021. Multisig is something that we're considering, but actually we have uh, we have many products coming out in 2021. Uh, that are here specifically to solve the situation that we're in today and the situation that you're in today. You know, how do we, uh, how, do, how do you keep $100,000 at home, you know, and uh, and still being safe? And so we will answer those questions in 2021 by bringing clever products to the market. That includes multisig, but other things too. Are you, update, are you updating your own products at all in, on reflection of this so for example one developer i spoke to said uh, multi-sig on a ledger is, is a bit of a pain compared to other devices are you reconsidering your product design at all um and also and i add into that are you also considering any change to how you sell devices and what data you will store or are you going to continue to store the same data sorry there's two questions there no, let me start by the by, by the latest one you know what we're considering right now and uh, there was a question about our uh, data protection officer, someone in uh, under your tweet said, oh, they just fired their data protection officer and they're recruiting a new one. So first of all, we didn't fire our data protection officer. She just found like a, a great job, a great opportunity. And, uh, you know, she went uh, elsewhere. Uh, and uh, and we thank her for the work that she's done so far at Ledger. And we, uh, we hope that, uh, you know, our next venture will be amazing for her. And yes, we're recruiting for a new uh, data protection officer because data protection is actually, you know, very important, uh, f- you know, in the industry at the moment. Again, you know, uh, data hacks are at, at a whole time high and we need uh, the best uh, possible protection. And what we are thinking of doing for the future is sort of trying to 
minimize the data, keep on minimizing the data that we're taking from users at the detriment of business, because it's, a, it's, it's always a balance between the data that you gather, the marketing that you can do, and the business that you can do. And so the less data you take, the less business you do. So it's a delicate balance to find because we need to do business in order to invest into security. A security company without money is a bad security company. So we need mm -hmm. to maximize business in a way so we can reinvest in people, in technology, in everything to make our users secure and find the right balance there. But I was discussing this with Ian Rogers that uh, uh, early on today, and uh, and this is typically something in his radar. Is you know how can we how can we find that uh, that delicate balance and you know ask as minimum information as possible from our users uh, while maintaining uh, good business. So that's in our radar. Can can you? delete the say the the address data the phone number data once the order has been made do you have to hold on to that uh you have to hold on to some for almost like 10 years for tax purposes etc but there are different ways that you can keep it you don't need to keep it online you you can keep it offline and to be honest like we don't need it like you know once we ship you the product i don't really care to know where you live like we don't need that data so mm. again uh, the, uh, the data breach was really a mistake and what we're going to do in the future is going to be very different from what we've done in the past and everything is uh, is moving right now and uh, and we will deliver news to our customers uh, as soon as we have them to let them know, you know how we're going to deal with data in the future. But it's a complex process because it involves regulation and people that treat this by saying like, oh, we just wipe everything after three months. You know that's all good and well, but uh, technically that's actually not quite possible in uh, in uh, in the regulation that we live in. You know, regulation about data is very strict, and so we're trying to protect users. But uh, but in order to protect them, we need to keep some data. So it's, it's there is no straight answer, and people are asking for black black and white answers on the matter, which I understand. And uh, and from a consumer standpoint, it should be black and white. But people should also understand that these matters are increasingly complex uh, because mostly because of regulation. Yeah, no. Okay, okay. All right, just a, a bit of a side step now. How are spirits within the company? This is obviously you know probably one of you know you've had a long run of success, you know, you are the number one seller of hardware wallets. You've done very well. Uh this must be a real kick in the teeth within the company. How 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 are spirits within the company? You know, we are uh, the spirit is good. We are we are serious people. We will try to do our best. This is definitely not a pleasant moment for the company, but everyone is dedicated to make this situation better. And you know, we want to thrive from the crisis and not collapse because of it. And so, uh, you know, what it's going to do to us is just, uh, you know, it's going to infuriate us to to do better for the future. And uh, you know, we're doing many things right now to just make things better from a product uh, standpoint, from a, um, uh, from a you know product technology process. Uh, but we we're also trying to find the scammers. Huh? You know, we have uh, uh, law enforcement agencies that are well aware of the situation and that they are uh, moving uh, Earth and Evan to to find them. And you know, we we're spending a lot of time and and resources uh, in order to properly solve the situation. So all this is going to do is to make our company much stronger, uh, much better, and we are very uh, dedicated to this right now. Um, how are you going to restore confidence with the public? Because you know you've seen the replies. It's, you're having one of those awful days where everyone's talking about you on Twitter. Actually, you've been going on obviously since July. A lot of questions. How do you rebuild confidence? 
Sure. Well, first, reminding everyone that your phones are safe uh, and that you should never share your 24 words. Uh, and then that we'll be, you know, relentless in making this better. You know, once someone has lost confidence in you, I'm not going to say anything magical right now. So suddenly they're going to think, oh, wow, you know, I've got, uh, I trust these guys again. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's very hard to earn trust. And what we'll do is to do the best that we can do today and in the coming days and in the future, uh, just to build a better company, a better product, uh, better features, especially next year coming to solve these type of situations. And when people will look back, those people that lose trust in us, they look back in six months and they say, oh, you know, Ledger has done well, so maybe uh, maybe I trust them again, and maybe they won't. Okay. And uh, that's uh, in French we say, you know, sometimes c'est la vie, and we fucked up and we're sorry, but we're yeah. gonna do be- we're gonna do better, and we're gonna earn your trust back. Okay, I mean, I've got two suggestions of things you you could and should do. Uh, uh, you know, you've obviously been through the comments in the, the post I put out, and there's a lot I didn't you know get to include. Uh, a lot of people have been asking, "Are you going to compensate people?" I just, I just, I'm going to knock that one on the head myself. I just don't think that's possible. You know, if it was a hundred dollars for everyone who had a, an email stolen, that's a hundred million dollars that would bankrupt the business. It's, 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 there's no way I think you can build in a scalable compensation program. I don't know if you've plans for any, but it just to me, if I was sat in your position, I don't think it is. But I do think there's two things you could do. I think you could invest in doing a t- tutorial educational series, perhaps working with someone like Lop from Casa, explaining you know the best security that people can do, the things that you can look at. I don't know if you already have something like that, but I think that would be good. I also think um, one thing that you could do is make a donation towards Bitcoin open source dev especially those working on privacy and security, I think that would be a good gesture back. I don't know what you feel about either of those ideas. Well, first, I believe that those two ideas are great. Uh, but I tell you what we're going to do. First, uh, we will. you comment about bankrupting the company if we were to reimburse like $100 for every email that we've lost is accurate. Like, you know, if we were to do that, then we are out of business and we might as well close the company tomorrow, which we won't do. What we will do, though, is to keep on investing a lot into security processes in the spirit of, uh, you know, sort of strengthening uh, the product, the business and the community uh, for for the future. This is only the beginning of crypto and this is uh, an unfortunate incident at the very beginning of crypto. Imagine the same thing happen in 10 years. It will be a much bigger problem. And so you know why this again we're very sorry and this is an unfortunate event it's sort of a stepping stone to do much better and to invest a lot into doing better so that's what we're going to do and in terms of where the investment will go we'll do it very uh, thoughtfully i think because there is no point into rushing into you know finding short term solution to make everyone feel better but thoughtfully we need to understand how to better invest our money and so the two ideas that you gave are very good ones and we'll consider them uh, of course, as we do this, there's already a lot of content on the website. So what we're trying to do right now is to repackage it and represent it to our users so they can actually read it, which sometimes uh, they don't. Uh, and so we will push push that uh, back to them as much as possible. And finally, uh, to 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 uh, about building a foundation or dotation for uh, security researchers. Sure, that's a that's a great idea. We'll take that into consideration. But I remind everyone also that we got a bounty program that is active today. So if you find anything that is relevant to ledger security, whether it's a process tools technology, please report it to the bounty program. Uh, and uh, 
and bounty program uh, says uh, does what it says, meaning like we pay bounty to researchers. All right, good. I, I will uh, I will follow up with you on the um, on the supporting open source development. The only reason being, and the reason I'm going to push it, is because you know for Bitcoin to succeed, we rely on developers. Um, we rely on people funding and and supporting them. And I always think the biggest companies in in the industry who are making the most money uh, have a part to play. But next time we chat, I'll uh, twist your arm on that and see see if you've got anywhere with that at all. Some people probably won't like the fact that I'm going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, Because personally, I think we need a competitive market for hardware devices. I think you will... I think you all take snipes at each other, but I think you all push each other to be better and work harder. And I think the competition is helpful. But is Ledger a victim? And is are we missing anything there at all? Or is it is that not something we should focus on? And I'm only raising it because somebody put it on Twitter earlier. They mentioned that you are a victim too. And this is a complex problem that that yes, the mistake was simple, but this, you know, there's so many data hacks that happen in so many different industries all across the board. Like it's 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 almost as uh, zero chance that you can actually be a hundred percent secure. Yeah, I mean, there's truth in that. I think overall, uh, you know, we are victims in a sense that Ledger and and our community, we are vic- we are victim of of our success, uh, and so of course it becomes a prime target for for hackers because they're going to try to hack like sort of the biggest and where there is the the most value to to be hacked. So I think um, sometimes when I read the comments, you know, people are furious uh, about Ledger and and rightfully so. And again, we, we're very sorry. But, but sometimes, you know, I think that if we could take all that anger and direct it at the actual scammers, because the problem is we're all being victim of people that are trying to steal uh, your Bitcoins. And we should fight the scammers. And you know, we we called uh, our users. And we have this hashtag "Stop the Scammers" to to really like work as one to uh, find the scammers, like you know, publish the website, making sure that we take down the website as quickly as possible. And I actually think that uh, there is something to be done there. So, in your idea of having um, a donation for researchers, we're thinking more of a uh, foundation uh, to you know, for, for, for these type of issues, uh, to either fund teams that could, uh, com- uh, that could combat these type of issues and, or stop the scammer foundation where, because, you know, whether it's Ledger, Kraken, uh, uh, Coinbase, uh, Binance, we all, f- we all have the same exact problem, you know, uh, data breaches, and then, you know, uh, trying to scam the users as much as possible, uh, as many times as possible a day until they reveal their private keys or until they send you uh, the, the precious Bitcoin. So I think this is a, this is an industry problem. And I think together we could do better for sure in the future. Okay. Uh, two two final questions. Okay. Penultimate question. So I'm aware of one person who was fished and uh, they lost $50,000 in Bitcoin. Um, I'm sure you're aware of others that have happened. Um, if somebody's data was stolen from your data from your um data store and they were fished because of that and they lose their bitcoin do you believe ledger is liable for that or not uh it's a it's a very difficult question so i believe not uh but uh but these are very complex legal matters and uh what i would suggest for any users uh is to you know uh declare uh the scam and the loss to the competent 
local uh, legal authorities to the police and and follow the instructions from there. Uh, you know, I think I think if uh, if you if someone steals something from you, you know, you just uh, you just uh, contact the competent authorities locally and then uh, fo- fo- follow the process. You know. Yeah, I guess most people will feel like hmm, I'm not going to see this back. I'm not going to see this again. Um, well, well okay. actually, actually, that's not completely true because we we're actually okay. trying to help as much as we can our users. You know, when they reach out to us and they suffer the loss of of coins, we're actually trying to guide them towards you know local authorities uh, complaining about uh, the the hack and uh, and and someone stealing. Uh, from them, uh, recommending them to chain analysis to sort of follow the coins and probably have uh, the possibility of uh, of an exchange uh, freezing the coins and returning them. So there are things that are becoming possible. It, you know, it comes at a at, at certainly a cost and, uh, and and for the user to actually to actually do it very proactively. But I don't think users should do nothing, and they can always turn to us for for advice and guidance on this. Again, we're not shying away from from anything, and I think users should just do what's best for them. Okay. Uh, last question: Are you expecting to face any uh, uh, penalties because of the breach through the GDPR legislation? That probably not. I mean, we will see in the future. What we've done with GDPR is uh, to always uh, stay compliant. We've declared uh, the data breach as soon as we knew to the competent authorities, and we followed you know the instructions by the book. Uh, we will be updating the competent authorities again on this. Uh, uh, new finding that uh, you know that dates from uh, from yesterday, uh, and I think again we we just do what we think is best for Ledger for our users, and uh, uh, reporting to uh, to authorities, uh, and uh, and because we do you know we we do everything by the playbook, uh, we think we're on the safe side, but you know uh, time will tell. Yeah, is there anything I've not asked you? You wish I had any other comments you wanted to add? I think we covered a lot today, and I think uh, yeah. you know I, I I really like all the questions that I've seen under your Twitter. I mean, some are a little abrupt, but you know it's it's life, and you know I understand why users are really upset, and you know they have to know that we are upset too, and you know we want to do better, and we are very sorry for for what have happened, and so we can uh, we can never say uh, enough that we're sorry. There's actually a meme on Pascal Gauthier saying he's sorry. In, I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll send it to you. It's pretty. It's pretty funny, uh, and and of course, it's a it's a joke, and we take this uh, very uh, very seriously. But uh, uh, maybe the last message is that Ledger is very sorry. I am very sorry as uh, as Ledger CEO, and we're doing everything that we can to make the situation better. Well, listen, look, I've uh, Ledger. Ledger was the first hardware wallet I've got. Um, I've consistently used one. Um, I've always been a fan of the company. I was disappointed to see this. Uh, I will st- I will continue to use a Ledger device. I believe the industry needs the competition between yourself, Trezor, Coldcard, and any new entrants. Um, I will hold you to account. Uh, I will observe what you do over the next few months, and and perhaps perhaps in three, four, five months we'll get together again. We'll talk about where you've got with everything and uh, keep talking. But look, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I didn't give you any questions in advance. Um, you've allowed me to ask every question I wanted. There's probably stuff I should have asked that I haven't. People are probably listening, thinking they wish I'd asked different questions. But you know, we covered a lot. Um, you were fully open with me, and so I, I appreciate that. And I wish you and your team good luck in fixing these things. Thank you. And Peter, maybe one last word for me. You know, I, I reached mm-hmm. out to you first because 
you know, I knew you would be honest and ask me, you know, all the questions that you thought would be fair to, to, to your users. So which is why I reached out to you first, not because it was going to be easy, but because it was going to be true. And so again, uh, I thank you for your questions. And if in four months we haven't done what I just said we will do, then I'm also sure that you let me know. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I'll be back to, uh, but I hope I'll be back with good news. Okay, great. Well, listen, good to see you again. Um, have a good Christmas. And yeah, we'll catch up in a few months. All right, Peter. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you too. Okay, how was that? Look, after we finished recording, there were a few other questions that I just came to my mind. I was like, I wish I'd asked this. I wish I'd asked that. But I wanted to keep the dialogue open with Pascal and revisit this as and when needed. And Pascal said to me, you know, after the interview, Pete, whenever you want. So whether it's within weeks or if it's in a few months, I'll be able to get Pascal back on and discuss any updates they have. He's willing to be fully transparent. Also, if you've got any issues or questions you want to reach out to me and send them over, if I think that's a pressing one, look, I'm not going to pester him with every question, but if somebody raises something that's really important, as which happened yesterday, I will be willing to forward it on to Pascal directly. Now, as I said, this data breach is obviously clearly very serious. I've pointed friends in the past to buying a ledger. I'm a big fan of cold card. But I feel like the Ledger UX is certainly the best for newcomers. Now, I've had to reconsider that, and I honestly don't know what I'm going to be recommending my friends right now. Um, but since the breach, I have reached out to my friends, and I've told them again, never, ever give out your seed words. But with this hack becoming available online, we're almost certainly going to see more phishing attempts. We know it's been exploited. We know of people who have lost their Bitcoin, which is terrible. Um and there is now this ongoing threat of physical attacks. I do personally think that's a low threat, but it's not a zero. You know, it's a non-zero threat. So just got to hope that doesn't happen. Um, I do appreciate Pascal coming on and answering all the questions. This is obviously a very tough time for him and the company. But to be honest, as I said, it's going to make me think twice before recommending Ledger. I just personally need to think about that. But at the same time, I will support the company in trying to recover from this. I, as I said in the intro, I think it's important we have a robust and competitive market for hardware devices. Whilst they all snipe at each other, they actually push each other to be better. And I think that is important. I don't think it's a net benefit to lose Ledger right now. I think it's a net benefit for them just to do a much better job. Now, some of you might find that controversial. Please feel free to reach out to me. Drop me an email. Let me know what you think. I myself am an open book and I will keep the dialogue open with Pascal. I will keep talking to him. And yeah, any questions, my email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. As I said in the intro, I didn't want to have the ads in the show. It just felt a bit weird. It's too big an issue for this. But I do just want to quickly thank my sponsors, Casa, Sportsbet, Kraken and BlockFi because I couldn't do the show without them. And the normal show that was meant to be out today, the one with Shinobi looking back at Bitcoin's tech in 2020, will be out tomorrow instead. As I said, if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com.